um, and I'm always naturally curious about what other people are doing. And on YouTube, there's everything you can learn. Um, and I found this guy that uh, talks about doing Airbnb arbitrage, which if you're not familiar with what that term is, it means you actually don't buy the property, you lease it from a homeowner, and then you put it onto Airbnb. With permission. With permission, yep. of course, with full disclosure. Yeah, that's usually the part that's missed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Tom Story Show with Steve Karish and Tom Story, where we discuss everything real estate or whatever else is on our minds. Welcome back to another episode of the Tom Story Show. Guess what? Steve is in Toronto again, his favorite city in Canada. He's back. Um, we are here this week for a conference and that's why our guest who I'm going to introduce in a second is here as well. Um, as we get the show started, I just want to remind everybody on YouTube, by the time this episode comes out, if we're not at a thousand subscribers, Steve will cry himself to sleep Yeah, <laughs> every single night. Uh, I I'm pretty sure we're going to get there, but if you haven't already, please subscribe. And, and for everyone that's been with us since the beginning, it's so cool that we're what five months into this. And this channel has grown so rapidly. The audio downloads are at an all-time high. Each episode's averaging, you know, 450 downloads on the audio side as well. So we want to thank everyone that's been listening and watching and sharing with your friends. Um, just thank you so much for everything. Um, now let's get into the show. I'm really excited. We've got our personal friend of the show, friend of the show, Derek Timmons is joining us. Derek, what's going on? Hey guys, how you doing? Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, well, thanks for being here. So you're in Toronto from Calgary or from Airdrie specifically. Yep. And you've been in real estate for four years now or five years? Four, four, four years full time. Well, it will be the end of April next year will be the end of my fourth year. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that me and Steve have been discussing a lot on these podcasts on the on our own channels is like every single month, it's like every news headline is doom and gloom. And it's like so scary and all of Canada's dropping in price. And then these Calgary realtors are like, guys, <laughs> things are OK. <laughs> so like, what the hell? Why is Calgary and Airdrie and all the surrounding areas why are they still moving and everyone else is freaking out? Well, I think a big part about it is that we were in such a lull for so long. Um, like when I started in real estate, our average months of inventory for detached was six months. So I came into ind the industry thinking that that's normal, like to have an incredibly large amount of supply. Like if all of a sudden six months of inventory showed up in Vancouver, or Toronto, you guys would think the the world has ended or something. It's basically, what's happened. happened. That's what's it's happening. Exactly. What's happened. Yeah. Uh, so we 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 now currently have anywhere from one point eight to two point two, depending on what's going on. So our wow, our inventory has just like significantly reduced. Um, and so now we feel like we're in this like hot seller's market. So the when you're talking to a Calgary agent, they're like, yeah, things are moving, but it's comparative to what? So, but I think the basics and the principles are always going to be the same. Like when you look at the average price of a detached home in Calgary, it's 470,000. Wow. And that's for about a 1700 square foot home with a double car garage and a backyard. Um, you know, we don't have any land transfer tax. Um, our, our closing costs are next to nothing. Um, no PST, like it's just becoming more and more attractive for people to move across. But what we're seeing a lot of is investors like, yeah. uh, you and I have been talking over the last few days while I've been here about, you know, investors from Toronto buying 80 units off of a builder in, in Calgary, just well, stock. Like I can tell you too, like going back the last year of craziness before the rate hike started happening, it's like I would get these random texts from people I didn't know in Calgary, like builders, They're like, "Hey, Tom, show this project to clients." I'm like, "I don't know. like st <laughs> stop, like I like reply to stop, like yeah. stop texting yeah. me. I don't yeah. know you." And it started taking off. So, 
like the rate hikes haven't changed anything. You haven't seen like since the rates have started going up, things haven't cooled a bit or what's the deal? So for us, I mean, right now in November, it's definitely slowed down. Our number of sales is is slower than it was, you know, two, three months ago, but it's November. So right. we're we're not seeing anything that's abnormal um, as far as that goes. The, the rate heights definitely scared people, but Alberta being like the wild, wild west and like we're like the Texas of Canada, we have no rent control in Alberta. Oh. So whereas in Ontario and Steve, BC- you should go to Alberta. Go Steve hates rent control. I know he's going to buy all the properties. Uh, but like in BC, as you guys, well, obviously Steve's well aware, like they can only raise the rent, what, 1.2% this year? 2% per year. Next year. Well, this year was 1.5. But what's next year? Two. Yeah, we're 2.5 in 2023. Yeah, so we can raise it as much as we want with a with a 90-day notice. Um, and do people do that? Well, it depends. Like there are like genuinely good people that want their tenants to stay. And then there's other guys that just want you know, to get as much as they can. So what we saw a lot of when the market really kicked up was um, landlords listing their properties, selling them, homeowners took over. Uh, and then now the rental market is really tight. So all of a sudden people went from spending $2,000 on a three bedroom home to $3,000, which is crazy. On rent. Yeah. So your rent is up like the rest of Canada Our rent as well. has gone up crazy. So now what's happening is people are going, uh, I find in Alberta, it's always relative between the, um, you know, purchase price, slash what you're paying for your mortgage and everything all in to rent. They're always oh. very, very similar. So now people are like, well, screw it. If I'm going to pay three grand on a mortgage and three grand for rent, I might as well go back into the resale market. So now that things have kind of become like this interest rate has become, for lack of better words, and I hate saying this after the last two years we've been through, but our new normal, um, people yeah. are like, well, let's, let's just buy again. So, um, so yeah. interesting because the mindset's just so different here. And like, I remember when I got into the industry, I used to run the rent versus buy comparison and buying was still a little bit more expensive on a monthly basis, but they were like comparable. Yeah. Now it's not even close. Yeah. Renting's still cheaper in Toronto. Like, I, you know, yeah. long term for yeah. the growth of your money, it's not the best. But in terms of just monthly payment, rent is significantly, even, even though we've gone up 20%. Yeah in the last year, like when you got started was you could make the argument as well, where like it just made more sense to buy on a monthly basis. I don't know if it ever really did. I mean, you were always like a 30% down to break even if you're buying like always right. 30, 35% down. And then for like that brief window in time when every, like I looked at a condo and I was like, this is going to break even at hundred percent financing. I was like, let's, let's go. Let's, yeah. let's do it. And I don't, I don't know. I, I think though in Calgary, you have a little bit of a different issue where for let's call it the last 10 years, it was almost like every time a tenant left, you always had to reduce the rent. Yeah. They 100%. went down for, they went down for a long time. Absolutely. Yeah. And our market declined for a long, long time. So how long can Calgary keep defying the odds <laughs> for the rest of Canada? Because like literally the, the, oh, the only agents I'm talking to, they're like, yeah, things are moving. Yeah. Our Calgary agents. Yeah. I guess we'll see. I mean, we never expected to see 2021 go as crazy as it did, yeah. as anyone would have, right? But um, uh, I think for the next three years, for sure, Alberta is going to be busy and, and doing well because of the migration. Like, yeah, we, we're yeah. just so far behind you guys. Um, and now with the, with you know, what COVID gave us, the blessing, there was a lot of blessings that COVID gave us, although people like to focus on the negatives. Um, but now everyone can work virtually. Yeah. So people don't have to live in Toronto anymore. They can still work in Toronto, but live anywhere they want. Um, you know, not everybody, but a, a large portion of the uh, population. So people are like, let's get out of here. Let's if, go get more Do you space. think that's going to continue with Elon last week being like, hey, guess what, Twitter? You're back now. You're back 100%. You think the other companies are going to start going, 
Nah, guys. Well, the ones we're, that signed leases or built new buildings. Yeah, downtown. we're office like, people again. Probably. Back. And I think it's good for our mental health to have that it, it, as part of our culture. Like when you get trapped into the working from home uh, scenario after too long, you know, you can go a little nutty. We're mm-hmm. fortunate that we have to leave our house to go to appointments. You but... were asking me last night about that and you were asking me about like virtual brokerages and stuff like that. And that's yeah. part of it for me. Yeah. That's literally part of it for me where it's like, I want to go in and see people because mm-hmm. I don't force myself in my private life to go out and see people. Right. Me neither. And the office is like a good, <laughs> it's true, man. Like I see my kids and we go to soccer and we do that, but mm-hmm. like, I'm not the, let's go to a cocktail party or let's nope. go to happy hour guy. Well, no. I do happy hours just at my house, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's a little depressing and it's by myself on my couch, but like, but it's happy, (laughs) but there is something about the office that is, that is the energy, the the energy, like you're an office guy too, which is rare all the time, man. Every, as much as I can, I go into the office. Yeah. And I like to like the structure. I mean, it's, it's quiet, but when I bump into somebody to talk about the market or just run something by, I got a guy. Uh, down the hall for me and it's just like hey you want to look at this property real quick tell me what you think it's worth like yeah. that is there's value in that totally. that i think so much uh of the virtual workforce is never gonna you, get you know what i've noticed too is that when we have guests on the podcast like you're here with us so it's, it's great but the the guests that come on virtually it's like sometimes at the end when we're done recording they're like hey that was so great to chat about real estate for an yeah. hour yeah because they just haven't been doing that totally. because they haven't been in the office well humans are funny species like we need human interaction like one of the things that if you look at a baby they like they can actually starve and die if they're not loved enough like if they're neglected you can look at two babies they've done studies where one just gets a ton of love and then they turn out to be like you know healthy and normal and Mm -hmm. one just gets the basic uh, necessities like food shelter clothing and then they turn out to be psychos like crazy yeah it's it's wild so we do need that but to steve's point absolutely like i mean it, it that probably could have a reverse effect on us at some point in time but uh, we are still seeing a lot of industries come in there, uh, which is positive to see. So, and oil's making a return. You had said so like very quickly because I think it's a normal thing you say. Like the average detached house is four hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Not that I should have like stopped you right there. Yeah. So like I mean that's basically what a junior one bedroom condo costs in Toronto. That's <laughs> yeah. essentially the same. So I went out and I stayed uh, at one of Derek's properties, mm-hmm. and that so that exact property. Yeah. If I take that, I have very similar properties to that in my neighborhood. Okay. Uh, not exactly like where I am, um, but really, really close. Friends have have almost the exact same kind of square footages, same setup, same amount of bedrooms, everything. For sure, now the low end of that is 1.3. Like wow. the lowest, lowest end of that is 1.3, and it's probably 1.4, 1.45. What's that house worth? Um, so to give, you, to give you guys some context, it's a 1,900 square foot. Uh, now, in Alberta, we don't count our basement footage yeah, in yeah. that. So there's probably 500 feet in the basement. So call it. There's more than 500 feet in the basement. I didn't see the basement. Uh, yeah, let's call it six. So we're, we're 2,500 square foot house. So three bedrooms up, a fully finished suite in the basement, walkout backs onto a pond, double car attached garage. Uh, we bought it for 650 Crazy. Yeah. No, okay. So yeah. about half. Well, when I was in that neighborhood, though, there was they must have been like unfinished basements and stuff. But there oh, was yeah. there was properties like four ninety nine. I'm sure they yep. were going over ask or whatever. But that one was higher because the location, the size of the lot. Yeah, it's right on. It's right on a lake. Like it's like yeah, it's it's, 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 it's as good as they get, right? Yeah. But it's like that's a two bedroom condo in my market, like eight hundred square feet, two bed, two bath. I mean that's a one plus den condo in downtown Toronto, six fifty. And then you end yeah. up you end up in a spot in Airdrie where it's like okay now I've got that space, but I can also put in a rental in the basement, mm-hmm. finish the basement, 
and I just don't understand why everybody's not just moving there. And I guess everybody is moving there. Well, who's moving there? A lot that's, of people I that's know. That's a great question. We we had 40% increase in migration to Alberta last year. Um, now, I can't tell you what the numbers are per year of how many people normally come, but all I know is that it increased by 40% in the last 12 months. Wow. Um, the first 17 deals, well, 17 of the first 20 deals that I did in 2022 were from BC or Ontario. Really? Yeah. It got to the point where I had to hire a buyer's agent because of inbound. Uh, it got actually so crazy that we did things like created a relocation guide for Calgary. We created a 35 page document. I kind of just yeah. like you, I copy you guys on everything <laughs> I do. I was like, what would Tom do in this situation? <laughs> I was like, create some really cool documents. So we created a relocation guide with like literally everything you need to know about Calgary, like, you know, Calgary and area, um, because we had so many people being like, well, I don't know the city. I don't know what to do. I don't know. Like and they were moving their because of job opportunities, because they could just buy a house at half the price from where they're coming from? Like what's the- The overwhelming response that I got from everyone was, I'm gonna sell my house in Vancouver, okay. I'm gonna take the cash and buy something in Alberta and be mortgage free. This episode of the Tom Story Show is brought to you by Lendlord. If you've not heard of Lendlord, it is a software platform designed for real estate investors. It helps you easily track your portfolio and get reminders when things like rent and utility payments are due. But the best feature and my most favorite feature of the entire platform is something called a deal analyzer. This is where you as a real estate investor can log into the software, plug in your future potential purchase, and the system quickly comes up with important information like cap rate, cash on cash return, and even future potential values. It's a totally free software, but listeners of the Tom's Story Show can get 90 days of the upgraded paid version right now totally for free by either clicking the link down below in the description or going to landlord.io slash tomshow. And if you're a real estate agent and you're not using this software to quickly and efficiently analyze deals for your clients, well, I think you're doing your clients a disservice. Download Landlord today for a quick and easy way for you to analyze not only your own future purchases, but those of your clients. So again, that's landlord.io slash Tom Show to sign up right now and listeners of the Tom Story Show receive 90 days of the paid version totally for free. I have tried this software myself. I think it's fantastic and extremely useful as a real estate investor. Sign up today. That's landlord.io slash Tom Show. And now back to the podcast. Well, and, and maybe even buy a second property where that's then my income. <laughs> I got a, yeah. I got yeah, a realtor referral from um, Langley or Surrey or somewhere. I can't remember where, where the guy was from. I don't really know him very well, but, uh, um, but his clients bought this townhouse and then 16 months later sold it and made $360,000. In yeah. Langley? Yeah. So oh, this was during it, like what, bought in early 2020, sold in 21? Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. They made $360,000. So you take the equity that they put in to buy it plus, and they literally bought a detached house and don't have a mortgage on it now. And so now they're like feeling like they're living like kings. I mean, they hit the, the jackpot the on timing. timing was amazing. Was lucky, but yeah, yeah, for sure. And now they spend the rest of their money on winter jackets. <laughs> yeah, and snow tires. I saw, <laughs> windshields. I saw a lot of uh, posts recently because it snowed pretty hard in Calgary. Oh, it was nuts. And it was all like all the people from Toronto and BC walking outside of their new homes in Calgary like, being like, what? wait a second. What, what did we do? We didn't know this. Did any of them shut off their outside hose bibs? I hope so. I sent them all an email. <laughs> I sent them all an email reminder. That was one of my best uh, database emails, actually. Uh, yeah. I got the most, but I put in the subject line, your pipes are bursting. Uh, so That's people are like, what the hell? And then there's a video of me telling them like, hey, please turn off your taps because in the spring, if they burst, you're going to call me to fix your drywall and I don't want to do that. So this is what you do. Um, that was our highest open rate all year. 
Crazy. But um, And the other thing you had said to me is that you have to plug in your car you, to start it there. Well, like not electric cars, regular cars. Yeah, so you do need to get used to. I mean, anytime it's below minus 20, you're going to want to plug in your car and keep your... Uh, anytime, Tom. It's below minus 20. Yeah. It doesn't get minus 20 here that often. It, yeah. it never gets minus 20. The coldest it's ever been I've ever experienced in Vancouver one day when I was in grade three. Because in grade three, we had to like check the part of, part of our day. <laughs> <laughs> it was 87, but thanks. Um, sometime around there. But like we used to go sit down and do circle time and our teacher would make us check the temperature every morning. Mm -hmm. One morning it was minus 13 and that was it. Yeah, like well, we're pretty much yeah. like uh, the, it below zero is the last, rare for us. The last truck that I had, I bought when I lived on the island and it didn't have a block heater cord. And I, when I moved back to Alberta, I went to look for it because I had never used it. And I was like, what the, f where is this thing? And they're like, I'm like, oh, I bought it on the island. Apparently my truck has a block heater. Yeah, but you just don't know what it's I for. I have no idea where the plug I don't even know is. what that is. <laughs> so your engine has a little heater, okay. and then you plug it in, and it keeps it warm so it doesn't freeze at night. Because if oh. your block freezes, your car right, won't start, car will or it'll crack the block, and your engine's toast. You want to know a real old-timey old story? Yeah, Before sure. they had those, guys that lived in Alberta would have to start little oil fires underneath their cars to keep the yeah oh super safe <laughs> yeah. yeah block heater better options so it's funny because it's so cold that the extension cord that you run to your car becomes like one solid thing it's like hard as a rock but it keeps your engine warm so you got to bring crazy. the when when it's finally warmed up you bring the cord inside for an hour so that it'll melt so that you can roll it up so this is like a <laughs> we, we had the example on a smaller scale of okay the pandemic starts work from home is a thing mm -hmm. um outer markets outside of toronto and vancouver take off yeah. and all the money's coming from the cities for the most part um and then now some people like you know we're seeing articles in like our local stuff like blog to and whatever saying like we bought a house in prince edward county and now we're moving back to the city yeah because they have to go back to work and it's not right. what they thought it was going to be and all yep. this kind of stuff because people were just kind of making decisions based on emotion and fear basically and, and the immediate need and not a ton of logic just yeah. like emotion and fear 100 percent. so do you think on a grand grander scale that someone that moved from Vancouver, Victoria, Toronto, Mississauga, whatever, to Calgary on the virtual stuff in a year from now might go like, uh, oh, actually, I didn't know what exactly I was doing here. I got to go back to work over here. Like, is that going to happen? You know, a week ago, I would have had a different answer for you because I had a way different opinion about Toronto, but I've been fortunate to spend this last three days with you and I have a very different opinion of Toronto now. Personally, for me, I think the city is great. Like, I've actually kind of fallen in love with it. Um, would I want to live here? No, but that's my lifestyle. Like, yeah. I, I, I like big open spaces and fields, and I have the mountains right there. But I could picture someone who's used to the culture of, like, I have walked more places in the last three days than I have in the last five years. <laughs> Not even kidding. Like, it's like the only time I walk anywhere is if I'm at the mall. And as I try long to as you don't want to be in a car, Toronto, like downtown Toronto is fantastic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you want to get on a highway, yeah. Like my story of coming in yeah. with the Uber last night. Like honestly, it was like your Uber yeah. is gonna be forty five minutes. Yeah. I was like, okay, airport to here. Yeah. At an hour and fifteen, I was like texting Tom. Yeah. Dude, should I just get out and walk? Yeah. Like this guy. I mean, yeah. the Uber driver was a piece of work anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I feel the same way because my experience with when I used to work for another company, I come to Toronto. They put me at like uh, steals and. Like not downtown Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. It was as North Toronto as it gets. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it was just like cars and, and I don't know, strip malls and, yeah. and that sort of feeling. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's such a different feeling down here. Totally. And I think, um, Calgary's obviously a lot different than that, but it is what I found strange about when I went through Calgary and it had been so long since I've gone through Calgary is 
it's just like, wow, there is so much opportunity to expand in whatever direction you want yeah. there. It's wide open. So I don't know how bad. Is urban sprawl and traffic going to get bad? We are. Our um, like traffic jam is like sitting on the highway for 15 minutes, bumper to bumper. Like the worst I've ever had it. If there's a really bad accident, I'll sit there for maybe 40 minutes. And that's like the worst of the worst. Um, could that get way worse as the population increases? I'm sure it could. Um, but to get back to your question, um, I think... You know, someone that loves the mountains and the ocean, whether they come to Alberta for a few years to test out, like, you know, mm -hmm. humans are always going to want to go where their heart and their soul feels good. As corny mm -hmm. as it sounds like um, uh, money is always going to be a, an initial decider or de decision maker, yep. but then eventually they're going to go back to what feels good for them. Um, and some people just like love the big city or love being near the ocean or love being or don't want the snow even though we see the sun every day people are like i'd rather have rain and and no snow than snow uh, you know what i mean or minus 30 sure. or whatever the deal is so i don't know but i think what i've learned from both of you guys over the last few years or overwhelmingly more than anything is you guys and i'll and i'll commend you both on this is you're fantastic at studying the numbers of the past and looking at what the data was moving forward. So, and if we look at, you know, the population of Saskatchewan has been a million people for the last 40 years. Mm. It's always mm -hmm. this many leave, this many come. It's never grown, it's never shrunk. So that tells us something. Same with Alberta. It's been around 4 million people for, I think we're at four and a half million people now, but we've been there for the last 15 years. So yeah, it had a huge bump up, but maybe that'll settle out. Who, who knows? I'd be curious uh, of what, before coming to like real Toronto and and experiencing it and walking around and seeing downtown, mm -hmm. what was the opinion? That this is a concrete shithole. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it's very busy and people are rude. And, and you get that opinion based on talking to other people from where Dude, you grew when, up. When right? we were with your uh your I'll call her wife yeah, and yeah. baby. Yeah. And and you left her and we went from one spot a block away to another to get a coffee, my like heart was racing. I was like- Because you thought it wasn't safe. You can't leave your wife and baby alone. Like, <laughs> but, and maybe that's my ignorant attitude yeah. being like a small town Alberta boy. No, that's but I'm Vancouver. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, are they safe? Are they good? And she was like, it was no big deal. Like you guys looked at me kind of like I was crazy. But, and, and yeah. I, I find that funny because in my mind, it should be the opposite. You guys should be the ones overprotective. Like, do you have your pocket knife and your, and your bear spray with you? Like, you know what I mean? But you're not at all. Yeah. And so I found that to be really interesting because I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't do that. You know what it is? It's when you have a massive amount of people you stop noticing the people touche it's totally you what it is gave me so like when you said yeah that. like so for instance if you're in a small town yeah and there's a dude laying on the pavement and dude. they're obviously not doing well for real everybody's like dude are you okay yeah and when you come in toronto you're like there's a dude on the pavement keep walking that's what i texted he literally so he saw that like yes it, two days ago i was yeah. telling him and for context for the people listening i went to the gym first day i was here and took an uber there and then there was a guy sleeping on the pavement outside of the good life and so i sent tom a text and i'm like he's alive i checked and tom's like thanks for checking but i just was like looking at him i'm yeah, like he's Tom's like don't touch those people he's i didn't touch him but i just kind of looked at him <laughs> and i'm like what i would say <laughs> by the way he's 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 breathing he's breathing he started moving yeah. i'm like and it was like huge culture shock but that's yeah. a good point because yeah. like if i saw that in airdrie with seventy thousand people i'd be like ambulance nine one one. like something's yeah. wrong with this guy totally and yeah. where like our experiences now are like you don't there's probably so much uh drug addiction and mental health problems that like 
become I don't want anything to do with what could arise from me interacting with that person. Fair enough. That's what, like, for instance, I was thinking about, I took my daughter to the hockey game in Vancouver the other day, and I was like, you know what? I took her on the train mm-hmm. once to a Lions game when mm-hmm. she was like three. Right. She loved it, right? Looking out the window, all this stuff. The train in Vancouver, four years later, five years later, not is the not same. the same thing anymore. Mm-hmm. You're giving me And so now I'm, I think it's just cold in here. But <laughs> yeah, it, the window's open. <laughs> it's just not, it's not the same thing anymore. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to put her in a situation where you know somebody comes by and starts begging and yeah and different things because if if somebody does want to have a confrontation and they're becoming more and more and more common mm-hmm. like i can't be putting an eight-year-old girl in that no situation no so i was or, like screw it we're driving down or yourself you don't know what that person's got a weapon or yeah. whatever so right? that's why like when you see someone in distress i think in cities you just start it starts becoming numb. It's like the sad reality yeah. that you just like, though, that's just, you just see that. That's just a thing. Fair. Yeah. Mm. And you guys definitely don't have it. Well, I mean, we we do, but we have it clustered into such a small area. Yeah. Like there was one time where me and a couple buddies, um, the owner of the brokerage that I work for and the owner of the law firm that we use and a bunch of us, we went and got like a hundred McDoubles or something and took it down to the drop-in center. And like, you should have seen their reaction. They were like, going nuts over just a cheeseburger right yeah. like and uh they were thankful but it was just like scavengers man like they mm-hmm. just flew in like a bunch of you know whatever and uh it, it is life changing or, or mind altering anyway because we do with my team through uh chris in the past our kind of charity of choice was always the food bank mm-hmm. and the food bank i was always kind of one of those people that i was like never really involved in any sort of charitable stuff mm-hmm. and then as soon as i went down to the food bank and i saw who needs it mm-hmm I was like, oh, okay. This yeah. isn't what, this isn't lazy people that just don't want to go to work. Right. Right. There's people that have it. they're either sick or they yeah. need, or, or they're already working jobs yeah. and you know, they just can't piece it together. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It makes you feel blessed to have what we have for sure. I wanted to change uh, subjects here uh, just slightly. So one thing now, now you're going to be very like nonchalant about this, but like you've, your acceleration in your real estate career has been very fast. I know for a fact this year, your team sold over a hundred properties, which in your fourth year in real estate to do that is just ridiculous. Like it's, it's, so you should be very proud of yourself. Thank you. Um, but you have only been a real estate for four agent for four years. So before that, you were in like, give me the story of like the construction world. You were in the construction world. You were half, half one foot into the door of real estate. And then you went all in like, what, what got you here so fast? Cause your story is not normal, man. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you. Um, I became a realtor by accident. That's what I've deduced after these last few years. It, it was a mistake. Is that, is that what most people, most people think? <laughs> yeah. Fair. Like it, it was, it was I'm like the only one that like decided when I was yeah. 18, I was going to become. <laughs> he had high hopes of being a real estate agent one day, painting the city with his picture. Um, no, I totally got into real, I became a realtor by accident. Um, so I grew up uh, in a sort of unique situation that like my dad's side of the family was all blue collar contractors iron workers. And then my mom's side was actually realtors. So oh. my, my mom was a realtor. My grandpa was a o- OG realtor. Yeah. Huh. My grandpa passed away when he was 85 of a massive heart attack. And when he, he passed away, uh, he had a 40 unit condo building pending at the time. At, like he literally sold real estate until the day he died. Um, but I remember uh, growing up, my grandpa would be coming back from open houses or we'd be going to the Royal Page, like, you know, barbecues or whatever. And, and he'd have a boat. <laughs> 
or he'd come home from a day of work and he'd have a boat or he'd have, um, you know, uh, a stereo system. And we're like, grandpa, what's going on? He's like, they couldn't pay their commission. So, uh, <laughs> I got a boat. We negotiated a deal. Like, um, things were different. So, but, but when I was growing up, I, I never thought, I never thought about that side of life, but I always saw myself going into the construction side and okay. being, being more of a builder and a, and a contractor and things like that. And I went down that path for a long time, for 15 years, and I had a crew and I ran that crew. And, and it seemed like no matter what I did, I got the same results. And I sort of coined this term called a fool's insanity, where everyone knows the definition of insanity, where you do the same thing over and over and you expect different results. Right. But a fool's insanity is when you, you know exactly what the results are going to be and you're like, you you just do it anyway. Right. Like I knew on January first every year I was going to make. I was going to top out at eighty five thousand. That would be a good year. But I always had this crazy idea that well maybe if I hire more guys or if I only do luxury homes or if I you know do this stuff I'll make more. I'll have right. more freedom. And then in twenty sixteen, um, it wasn't an abnormal thing that happened. But one of my guys just didn't show up for work which happened all the time. But on this one day I snapped, I'm like, okay, whatever, I got to do something different. So I decided to get my real estate license so that I could flip homes. Mm. That was the only reason. I just wanted the inside track. Um, I wanted to be able to have access to the MLS and then get to know the realtors and things like that. So I got licensed November 1st of 2017. It took me a long time to get my license because I didn't really care. Um, and then I, uh, I wasn't making any money or selling any houses or anything. But now that I had this license and I started meeting realtors and I was meeting people that made like $200,000 a year and I didn't think that was ever possible for me, now it suddenly became possible because mm. I'm like, well, this guy is like, I don't even know if he can speak English. Like some of these people can't, I don't even know if they can read. Like they, they seem illiterate and they're making this kind of money. Everyone like, in the comments is like, yes, thank you for saying that. <laughs> realtors are <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then, so then I, I actually want, I wanted to give it an effort, but everything I was doing was failing. I, I tried like 15 open houses. This actually is a hilarious story. I don't know if I've ever told anyone in our community this story, but um, I did like 15 open houses and I got no results, no contacts, nothing. And then my mom who lived with me and I supported was like, let me come with you to an open house and I'll show you how to do it. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Right. And she got three contacts that day in a row. Bang, bang, What did bang. she do that was different from she, what you were doing? She was just so chill. She yeah. just started asking them questions. Hey, how are you? What are you up to today? How's your day? Why are you guys here? Can, what can we help you with? Where do you live now? Asking questions after question, after question. She didn't follow them around like a psycho. Um, and then finally she was just like, well, you know, if you guys want, what we can do is email you some properties that you might be interested in, or we can put together an evaluation on your property. And like, she hadn't been in real estate for like 20 years, but it, it came out of her so natural. Mm -hmm. And then I looked at her after the first one, I'm like, how did you do that? She's like, I've done this so many times. Yeah. And so anyways, um, then I finally heard Richard Robin speak and then I came to life. But then the truth is, as corny as this is, I found you like Richard talked about you. So I became like, I just started copying you. I was like, well, and not like word for word what yeah. you say on your, all your videos, but I was like, try that. <laughs> yeah, I heard it works really well. <laughs> but um, but I, once I signed up for coaching, um, I, I just did what I was told. And I was told to build a database, con communicate with those people regularly, show value. Um, but I literally like, and it wasn't just you, there was other members, Steve too. Like uh, I took a lot of advice. If, so, if someone's willing to give me 10 minutes on the phone and give me advice, I'm going to take that advice and do something about it. And if it doesn't work for me or if it doesn't land for me and it doesn't feel authentic, then I probably won't continue with it. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff that you were doing was like um, your bomb bomb videos. I really, I went, I went so bananas with bomb bomb in my first six months of having it that they called me and was like, Hey, what are you doing? And then they started <laughs> sending me free shit. And I was like, 
Cool. Oh, because you were sending so many. Oh, videos. they weren't like, can you stop using up all our server? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so, anyways, that's that's really my story. I just I just did the basics. Like people want to complicate this business and make it to be this super like you know complex thing, but it's not. It's yeah. really really not. Like um, your line about like it's it's relationships over transactions is the na- hits the nail on the head every time because like if you just treat people how they want to be treated, be there for them, provide value, and just show them that you care more about them than you do about the paycheck you're going to get they absolutely go nuts for you and they tell all their friends so this is actually the first year that my business my number one source of business has been from my database so repeat and referral is number one for me this year and that's yeah. the first time that's happened huh. and i expect that to grow year after year but um i've had other avenues like we've talked about that have supported that and accelerated that but i put a lot of attention onto growing my database and my main focus for my first year was um two contacts a day into my database five days a week so you took a big idea and then you short formed it into like, okay, that means this many contacts per week, per month. Mm-hmm. And then you just broke it down to a daily task. And I think that's it, right? Like on the, on the building a business side of things, whether it be real estate or anything else, it's like the formula is there somewhere. Yeah. So somebody else doing the same thing as you is doing better than you. And it's usually a lot simpler than you and think. It's usually way simpler than what you're trying to do. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then the people that are actually successful in it are willing to share with you mm-hmm what they do and that's the thing too like i've learned so much from other people that have been doing it way longer than me and and that's on the business side now on the on the uh just like going into the new year side so i still have this all the time like you know my team sold over 100 year uh 100 homes a year for the last three years and we've been growing every single year and we've taken over a lot of market share in our little community but i still like get to january 1st and i'm like maybe i never sell a home again yeah it's it's terrifying steve do you have that same thing that happens to you yeah, the reset. Like, absolutely. I, does it ever go away? <laughs> Never. The imposter, see, even sometimes, like you know, with this podcast where we have guests on, or like I'm speaking in front of a crowd of 800 people, and I'm like, I'm I'm doing it, mm-hmm. but yeah. in the back of my mind, I'm like, why am I here? Yeah, why totally. am I the one it's doing? Impo- it's imposter syndrome for sure, and like where you don't feel like you're su- supposed to necessarily be there. But like, hey, we're there right now. Um, we're kind of getting into the doldrums of the winter market, right? Where there's not going to be a lot going on for a while. What's that word you just use? Doldrums. That's a new one for the podcast. For you? <laughs> yeah, for um, me too. So <laughs> I don't know what it means. I think it means like dark and gloomy, but um, the ominous winter market. The but it feels like you're going to do nothing again. And right now, let's face it, I'm pretty much setting up for next year. Yeah. Right. Like there, there's not going to be a lot of November and December deals this year in particular. Mm-hmm. So you're setting up for next year and then you're like, oh, what am I really doing? But that's a, I've found that now to be a blessing. I used to be afraid of that, but now I embrace it because I'm like, what are we going to do during this downtime? I'm not going to sit around and be whining about how I don't have many deals. I'm going to think about the spring and what I'm going to do to amplify six months away. Like you were talking about last night at the hockey game. Like if I can get that channel to pump up to 10,000 viewers or 10,000 yeah. subscribers. Yeah. And then the next cycle comes. Now I'm hitting crush because it. People always want to start working after it starts, but you yeah. want to be in full, full swing. Yeah. That it's like if it you're hits. a geo farmer, right? Mm-hmm. You want to double down totally. in the down market totally. when, you're, when you're geo farming. You don't want to, you don't want to scale back every single spring though. We usually get a flurry at yeah. the beginning of the year. Cause yeah. I still think the best time to be on the market is that first week of January yeah. every single year. But we always get that first flurry, and then we do nothing from January 15 to February 15. There's right. almost no and then business. They all flood yeah. on after and that. then they all flood yeah. on yeah. afterwards, right? So yeah. that's the worst part of the year for me where I feel like 
oh no, well, did I screw up this year? And then you get like 60% of your transactions in the next 60 days. And you're like, oh, have you heard that quote from Jim Rohn where he's like, um, uh, it's all about perspective. When you talk about things like door knocking, um, when it's cold and rainy, uh, is that, you know, that's the best time to go because everybody's home, even the other salesmen. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause no one's working. No so one's going out like when everyone's sitting at home, put, put, like when COVID hit, um, everyone was freaking out. They were binge watching tiger King or whatever. I literally spent eight hours a day on the phone from nine to five every day. And all I did was call people like, by I was burning my phone out two or three times a day. Um, and I spent three months doing that. And then I had the biggest year at the time ever. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but really you connected with other human beings in an authentic way and yeah. you did what you said you were going to do. Like that's what all the time it's like, it is truly simple. That's so it, simple. It, you, you do what you say you're going to do. You know, your stuff, you're a good person. You're there for people. You don't show up with commission breath. You show them what they need to know. Here's all the things I would want to know if I was in your position. And then your business grows. It's like not a, I watched, but, uh, it, but here, but here's the thing. It takes time. Yeah. I watched a really interesting podcast with Ed Milet recently. Um, I was telling you about this and how do you say his last name? Tom Ballou. I know who you're talking about Tom. Yeah. He's, I know you're he's awesome. About. But, uh, but anyways, Ed Milet said, um, if you study the most successful people, they have, they generally have three characteristics in common. Number one, they have an inflated sense of self, which they think they can do anything. So if they set a huge goal, they're like, I'm totally going to crush that goal. Con conversely to that, their second characteristic is that they don't think they're good enough. So I remember last year we did 91 deals and I'm like, oh, it should have been 120. And then my coach was like, well, dude, like, why don't you just be excited about the fact you did 91? But I, I never think I'm good enough. I have that insecurity that like, I'm not good enough. So I'm just going to keep pushing. So number one, they have an inflated sense of self. They think they can do anything. Number two, they don't think they're good enough. And number three, they have incredible impulse control, which I've seen from you guys this weekend too. Like yeah. uh, a solid two of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, but they will delay gratification and they're, and they're okay to sit and do the boring, monotonous, repetitious work. And that's really all it is. It's like building a business in real estate is being willing to go through the boring shit yeah. for two to three hours a day, four to five days a week. This episode of the Tom Story Show is brought to you by the Real Estate Video Course. Today's real estate industry has changed and you can no longer rely primarily on door knocking, cold calling, and geo farming. While these strategies still work, video provides something that these traditional methods just don't. And that is leads that reach out to you because of you and the message and content that you are providing. I believe that video is king and that through video, you can leverage your message create stronger relationships and become the authority on real estate in your marketplace. The real estate video course is a five part course that will teach you the fundamentals of video, including why it's so impactful, the equipment that you need to invest in to get started and the proven tips and strategies used to ensure long term success. So go to videocourselogin.com today to become a true creator, level up your editing and production skills and develop your real estate video plan to leverage your message to current and prospective clients. That's videocourselogin.com. The link is below in the description. And don't forget to use the discount code TOMSHOW at checkout for 10% off any purchase. That's videocourselogin.com and use the checkout code TOMSHOW. That's T-O-M-S-H-O-W. You know, I want to get into with you is Airbnb. Okay. Now I've seen through the dark hole of Twitter and all the other things, everyone's saying Airbnb being shutting down. Everyone's going back to hotels. Hotels are better. Airbnbs are crap. 
And then I talked to Derek, who's running three Airbnbs right now and making an absolute killing and crushing it. And I'm thinking, well, is this just another weird thing that Calgary is an anomaly? Or well, let me give you a little bit yeah. of my experience because I used your Airbnb. Um, the big thing that I it's found gone down in is- value since. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot smellier after he left. I told him I uh never mind. I don't want to tell you what I told him. I don't want to ruin his his future stays. That's funny. Um <laughs> the the thing is for me like obviously kids. Yeah. Right? Like I don't going to a hotel room it, especially if I'm going to be like somewhere for four or five days, I don't want the two queens thing. I don't want two separate rooms because that's even stupid, yeah. more expensive. Yeah, no kitchen. Like it was, it's perfect for what we're doing. We're mm. doing one for our team building. Like we're doing an yeah. Airbnb, like mm. 12 bedroom or sorry, 12 sleepings, like six bedroom house. Yeah. Right. Like it's such a good opportunity. I don't know that it will ever replace like hotel, totally hotel, no. like business people hotel. Right. But anyway, that's what that's I, so, I'm, I'm loving where I stayed. So here's here's my question, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm asking this as a business, not the state of Airbnb, mm-hmm. but what you've created with your platforms, mm-hmm. with the properties that you have and you've inspired me. Now, in Toronto, there's very strict Airbnb rules. You can't really do any of this. Right. But I'm talking here most markets that you can. Yeah. No yeah. fun Toronto. Right. Um, but like for my cottage, mm-hmm. I've been around to get the friends and family. But like, I should be really looking into this because the money you can make is insane. So first of all, what did, how did you learn all this? How did you incorporate this in? And then like, what for the, for the listener that th- is thinking about building an Airbnb type of business, how can they do it? So I'm a student like you guys, um, and I'm always naturally curious about what other people are doing. And on YouTube, there's everything you can learn. Um, and I found this guy that uh, talks about doing Airbnb arbitrage which if you're not familiar with what that term is, it means you actually don't buy the property, you lease it from a homeowner and then you put it on Airbnb. With permission. With permission, yep. of course, with full disclosure. Yeah. Um, that's cool. That's, that's usually the part that's missed. <laughs> so slightly. Yeah. So of the three listings that we have, two of them uh, are in the house that Steve stayed in that we own. Mm-hmm. And after we bought that house and put it on Airbnb and saw the numbers and the way they were, we were like, let's try this arbitrage thing. So the third one that we got is actually an arbitrage. We didn't buy it. We, we approached the owners we told them what we wanted to do. We were fully upfront with them. We we treated it the same way we treat real estate. We were like, what do you guys want? Like, what are you doing? They're going to Dominican for a year. They want to rent their house fully furnished fully furnished yeah. they want someone to take care of it they wanted to you know know that it was going to be okay and so, so we didn't ex- even have to buy the furniture we didn't have to buy anything wow. so i invested forty five hundred dollars into this property and in my first month i made eighteen hundred so um and the forty five hundred that i had to invest actually half of like twenty three hundred of that was my damage deposit so technically i didn't even invest forty five hundred right because if nothing goes wrong we'll get that back but we had to buy sheets and linens and all that sort of stuff but so um, the model for Airbnb is really exciting because like Steve said, you know, you can get a house, a whole house with your kids that has a backyard. You can bring your dog mm-hmm. in some situations. You have a driveway to park on. You have a kitchen to cook it in. You have so a fridge. Perfect. Yeah. And there's TVs, there's all these things and you're not cramped in. And, and like, I mean, that house we're charging like 200 bucks a night and the high times we might charge, you know, the summer we might charge 250, but it sleeps eight people. So if How you, can got, you charge me $400 a night, well, you're a special, well, case. it's the Steve fee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> but, uh. But, um, but you know, when you have six people sleeping in a house, even if they're paying $600 a night, they're only paying $100 a person. Yeah. They're getting access to all this yeah. stuff. Yep. Um, we treat it like a hotel. So we leave a bottle of wine and a handwritten note for every person. Um, you might not have gotten the handwritten note because <laughs> it, we hadn't started that at that point. But we, we all I did was I, I got a pad and made it Vistaprint where I wrote one note. Hey, Steve, please don't ruin anything. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but we treat them well. We tr- we, we want to give them a five-star experience. Yeah. Um, but the platform is actually growing in numbers massively. So there was 
was 140 million stays on Airbnb last year. Wow. Um, but that's worldwide, right? So as it grows and grows, there's probably going to be an issue where more and more of these houses are turning into Airbnbs where mm -hmm. people want, you know, they need housing long-term, but. So just before we get into some of the specifics of, of doing this. So I think of this again, like I'm born and raised in Toronto mm -hmm. and I think, oh, Airbnb, if someone's going to rent an Airbnb, it has to be near a hotel because they were going to go to the hotel maybe anyways. Yeah. They're only going to stay in a condo downtown Toronto that's mm -hmm. close to all the things. Like me not knowing anything about Airdrie, which is 10 minutes outside Calgary. 10 minutes north. So who's staying like who is there things happening around there that they're going to then stay there like why are they staying in man we, maybe that's a dumb question but like well you know who's you, renting it you wouldn't even believe it like we get all sorts of stuff like the one of the the families is staying in one of the units right now it came for a funeral um and they're mm -hmm. close to their family another okay. we we got a three-week booking next june may and june uh for for a family that lives in the southern states who's coming to visit their best friend who they've never been to Canada, but they're, I don't know if their friend moved here or whatever, sure. and their friend lives a block away. So they're like, this is perfect for us, right? Yeah. Um, other families are coming for weddings or they want, a lot of people want to go to Canmore, but they don't want to spend $600 a night for Canmore. They'll make the hour drive. Okay. Um, also too, I mean, we're 20 minutes from the airport. So we don't know when, why, how, but all we know is that we use the power of the internet and SEO to keep us on the top of the uh, pages. And then um, so I want to ask you a few, like if anyone's thinking of getting in, I'm not going to ask you to give away all your secrets, but I'll give them all away. Okay. Man. The yeah. three that you kind of brought up to me mm -hmm. was like one in the times where you have a Monday to Wednesday open mm -hmm. and the rest of it's booked. If you'd rather not have it empty, mm -hmm. you go in and you do like a special sale just for those days at yep. a completely discounted rate just to get it filled. Correct. Yep. yep. Okay. So that's an, it's not a passive investment thing you got to go in there and be a part of it and and do that weekly it's kind of like setting your like fantasy football lineups like if you miss it the, you guys are on the bench and whatever totally you got to go in every week and make sure you're getting it filled so that would be number one right totally yeah okay you do have to work at it if you're expecting it to be passive don't do it yeah yeah it is you got to hire people you have to you have to make sure the cleaners are showing up when they're supposed to show up that the door the locks are working now there's automations that you can set up which that's I what i was gonna ask so tell me ass. about the locks so you want to automate as much as you can. So Airbnb has a really, really cool platform and so does VRBO um, where you can automate the, the welcome messages, the checkout messages, the garbage day messages, things like that. But you don't want to deal with any keys. So we use Yale locks. There's a variety of smart locks you can use. The reason we like Yale is we can have as many locks on one app as we want and we can add 250 users per lock crazy um so i can have a code for the cleaners for the maintenance guy and then they integrate with airbnb so if you book at that property it automatically generates a code for you sends you on airbnb hey an a message that we create hey tom thanks for booking with us we know you had a lot of choices and we're thankful that you picked us here's your code for your door it's one two three four five um this is how you use it, you know, make sure you check, hit the check mark, uh, yada, yada, yada. So, but then that inputs it into our lock system and only allows that lock to be active during the time they book. So if they book from like, you know, February 1st until February 10th at February 10th at checkout time at 11 AM, that code, the code goes, goes away seven days after they checked out, they just disappear off the system. So you don't have to keep clear. So everything's automated. Totally hundred percent. So you want to do as little as possible. Um, but the reason is we want to get, ideally, we'd like to get 30 of these units. Um, and that's my girlfriend and my uh, plan because we see it as an opportunity to leverage our income and also 
use that money to accelerate our portfolio of purchasing more properties. Um, but she kind of runs it more than I do, but she does put in a lot of time every day. So you, the SEO side of it is... Do you fair. have cleaners or is she doing the cleaning? No, we do have cleaners. Okay. Yeah. And Tell me about the closet. There's a closet specifically for the cleaners with a deadbolt and you got to have three sheets and uh, for every bed. And yeah. So run me through just like, what's the necessities? Because I think a lot of people listening to this right now are actually like, oh, I always thought about doing this, but I've never done it. Mm-hmm. So other than having... In, in my market, they're yeah. thinking about instead of renting out like a monthly basement suite, mm-hmm. they're just like, hey, you know, one of us is working from home now. We're just going to turn over the laundry ourselves yeah. and rent it out. And as long as you have 50% occupancy, you're making what you would make totally in a, in a regular rental. Mm-hmm. So if you go to like 60, 70, 80% occupancy, you're just making way more money. And the cool thing about it is like if your mom or family member wants to come, you just block off yeah, that time while they're up. gone or while they're there and then you don't rent it out to anyone. Um, so we have a supply closet. We call it our maid's closet. Um, in every property where we put a deadbolt on it with a keypad. Um, mm-hmm. No keys. You don't want any keys in any of these properties. You can lose keys, yeah. You can lose keys. People forget where they are or whatever, right? Um, but so it has a, a deadbolt with a punch code and inside of it has, you want three sets of sheets per bed. We try to have all of our beds be queens. Well, we don't try to. We we have all of our beds as queens. And I know that a king size bed is a nice feature for people that are coming and going. But um, the reason we do queens is we don't, want the confusion of like, well, oh, which one is a king sheet? And like, is yeah, there enough king sheets? Yeah. Like, oh, and this bed's a single bed. It's just too confusing because the the cleaners don't have time to do the laundry mm-hmm. when they're on site. Mm-hmm. If the guests are nice enough to, th- we we do in our automated message, hey, if you don't mind throwing all the sheets and the towels in the wash and starting it, that's huge. We'd love that. They hardly ever do it. Uh, if they do, great. Then they, the cleaners it's will just... No, I actually asked him and he said, don't you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm like, um, do you want me to strip all these beds? He's like, don't worry about it. Yeah. And, and then, um, but so yeah, in the, in the supply closet, you want to have three sets of sheets for every bed, um, uh, three towels per person. Uh, I think actually it's, it might be two towels per person. I can't remember, sure. but uh, dude, it's a ton of towels. Um, and then all of your stuff, like your, your cases of wine, um, your, you know, we give snacks to people bubbly. Um, we have our dishwasher tabs, our, 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 um, our laundry tabs, um, and coffee. Thank goodness. What yeah. I'm hearing from you saying all this is like, essentially to wrap that all up, you treat it like a business. Yeah, it is a business. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah. And then we use the garages as another storage spot. So yeah. like the one house that Steve stayed in, um, as realtors, you know, we get shit all the time. Yeah. So like I had two clients move out of country and was like, Hey, I have all this furniture. What am I supposed to do with it? And I was like, what do you, do you want me to sell it? They're like, if you can just get rid of it, we're happy. So I got like four beds and like all these couches and stuff. So like I stored all of that garage. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't ever let the guests use the garage because that's like another that's, spot to yeah. store like garbage bags and whatever. Right. Yeah. All the stuff. Crazy. Can you do Airbnb in Vancouver or outside markets? Uh, most of the strata people try and do them in stratas and most of the stratas outlaw them. Yeah. That's what I figured. But a lot of people just bypass it and then you're, take the fine. Yeah, you're supposed to have a business license. I don't think anybody does. Yeah. I mean, technically, I think in a lot of our cities, specifically Vancouver, if you're going to have a basement suite, you have to have a business license for the basement suite. Yeah. Well, you'll roll your eyes at this, but the rules in Toronto are you can only do it if one, it is your principal residence, meaning that on your driver's license. And even if that is the case, Mm -hmm. two, you can only do it a maximum of 180 days a year. So six months. Yep. Uh, Three, you pay an extra tax to the city because of course you do. (laughs) And then you need a license. So it just. But who's enforcing that? Well, I, I mean, the city, I, I don't know. That's a good yeah. question. I they would need, assume the city. Someone needs to notify them. But I'm telling but it's working because yeah. when, when they announced that new rule, it was 2019. Mm-hmm. 
and we saw a flood of of properties come onto the market for one year rental. Right. And our rental market slowed down even before the pandemic. Wow. And then we're like seeing it. It was like taking a long time. And that was directly because of hmm. the Airbnb announcement. I'd be interested to roll the dice and rent a few of these properties, throw them on, see how it goes. <laughs> so I'm sure people take are. a six month lease. It's so Albertan. Yeah. It's like, I'm going against it. What rules? <laughs> yeah. It's bad. It's like the Texas of Canada, I tell you. <laughs> um, so, what do you think the next, what do you think 2023 looks like for the Calgary? Airdrie market are you expecting things to stay the same are they gonna have to cool off at some point is the oil boom back and sticking around for a while or what's going on i think we're gonna be busy um my team specifically has seen a lot of activity my pipe for like february march april is already jammed um but this may be selfish this is selfish i don't care as much about the market as a whole as i do about my five people directly and houses are going to sell in good times and bad times so i want to grow our business next year and i know what we need to do that and this year i learned a huge lesson in 2021 because i pulled my focus as even though we had a huge year and it was very successful and like now i have a team and have some staff members and things like that i totally pulled my focus i flipped four houses i started airbnbs i did all this stuff that any person in business would tell you not to do and truthfully speaking it hurt my bottom line big time i could have been way further ahead with my sales if you just focused on 100 percent. but what i got like it was a lifelong goal of mine to flip houses so that the fact that i did that and made over a hundred thousand dollars doing that made, made me feel good the experience i got from that made me feel good it also introduced me to my now girlfriend which would have never happened so that was yeah. super cool um i i learned all these things but now that i've taken a step back and looked at it i'm like that slowed me down and that hurt me bottom line wise but now i've done it i got it out of my system and in 2023 there's nothing pulling me away i'm only focusing on the task at hand which is our goal as a team is to get up to 240 ends Mm -hmm. so and if we do that in the next year i'm joining your team great (laughs) yeah i'm coming to calgary (laughs) come on by by. you know what the the one thing i would say there like it's it's good to have those goals and all that stuff and we've gone We've done crazy amounts for our market. I mean, in Alberta, it's strange because they do like you guys four thousand deals, way more than I don't know what it is. It's and our weird. average commission's a thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah. We still... but yeah. but like we've been there, and I found it, it. I was so happy I got. I think our best year was like one hundred and twenty-five ends, mm-hmm. and I was so happy I got there. Yeah, and then I also realized that I didn't find happiness there, for sure. So you have to like. I I think it's great that you took. Uh, time out to do something else that you actually felt passionate about Mm -hmm. and that you didn't spend all of your time just trying to do more transactions Mm -hmm. because even though that's where the money is it's not where the happiness is I found that too like I you know when I hit 200 grand I thought oh man this is it I've made it and then I hit 400 and then 500 and it's mm-hmm. all the same cheeseburger to me you know it's like yeah it, it's cool but once your mortgage is paid and your kids fed man the, what else do you nothing need nothing else matters but the cool thing is like I got a girl on my team who uh was a piano teacher last year she netted nine thousand dollars teaching piano she had 27 students she was a client of mine and I recruited her to be an agent she came she referred me to her parents and I she was coming on the showings with her mom and dad and I was listening to how she talked and I was like Oh my gosh, she's an agent. She doesn't even know it. So I asked her after one of these showings, like, hey, have you ever thought about being a realtor? And she's like, are you serious? Like, 
I could never be a realtor. I'm like, yeah, you could. You literally just were like you did yeah. it. So anyways, I put her through the schooling. She's done 19 deals in six months and made so cool. $53,000. And that's at Crazy. her split. Yeah. Um, so now I have this team of people who are fired up about what they're doing and they want to change their lives and they want to help more people. And then another girl that just joined her team, she I was telling Thomas the other day, she called me and she was losing it like in a good way. She's like, Derek, like I did what you said. And I just started calling my, she was in new home sales for 10 years. I just started calling all my past clients. And this one girl was like, oh my God, Jamie, it's so nice to hear from you like i want to sell my house and my rental and buy another one she's like they want to do three deals and all i had to yeah. do is call them she's like do you really mean that's all you have to do i'm like mm -hmm. it's all you have to do but you have to put them into your crm yeah. follow up with them and just keep making those calls so now my focus is shifting onto um how many people can i help change the lives of other people here's my i think final question to wrap this all up in a nice bow is you just gave the example of someone that had gone through running their own business with 27 people and only netting $10,000, which you can't survive in any no. part of Canada on that, right? You have to have other help. Um, and other members of your team that are finding the success that they never thought was possible. And I'm sure four year ago, Derek was talking to today, Derek, he'd be like, no, 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 that's, that's impossible. I'm not going to be able to do that. Yeah. So I guess like, was there one shift in your life that you just decided this is it? I'm, I'm not letting things pass, but I'm, I'm going to make this happen. Like, is there, was there a moment? Yeah, it's funny because we you and I were talking about that the other day. Um, when I got into this business, it was out of necessity and fear. Uh, yeah. I was so broke, man. My When I quit my job uh, doing construction, my visa was maxed at 20 grand. My line of credit was maxed at 20 grand. And I had $15,000 in the bank. Uh, and that was supposed to be for taxes. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to give real estate a go. And it didn't take long for that 15,000 to get spent. And then my mom lent me 15,000 off of her line of credit. So I'm lying in bed thinking to myself, okay, now I've burned my life to the ground and I'm taking my mom down with me. And so like, this has to happen. Uh, I don't have any other choice here. Like I've literally, like it says in Think and Grow Rich, I've burned the boats. There's no turning back. I have to make this work. And so I just kept focused and kept going uh, and doing what I needed to do. And then all of a sudden it started working and then it started growing. And then I got to a position where like Steve laughed at me one time <laughs> and I'll never forget this conversation because it was so impactful for me because I was like, Steve, I've got like, th I've got like 30 or maybe $40,000 in the bank, but I owe $25,000 on my line of credit. He's like, you're an idiot. Pay off your line of credit. <laughs> and I was like, but I, but I want the security of having that money in the bank. He's like, how much are you paying on the line of credit? Anyways, he ran it down for me. He's like, just pay it off. So, but I paid it off. And I remember having this feeling like I'm free. Like I yeah. have this freedom. And now now it's like, it was really that easy for me. I just want to show other people how to do that, but it, it didn't need to be complicated. So was there a moment where it, it all came together? I don't know, but all I know is that um, it, my life now compared to where it was is so much different. And now I have an opportunity to teach that to the next generation. Uh, and, and that's what I want. Like your kids are so lucky to have you guys as parents because they don't have to suffer the way that we did. Like, you know, and not that you guys suffered, but like if they follow your footsteps, they can get there a lot faster. They should get there a lot faster because they don't have to go through the trial and error that you went through. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm tough on that, man. I want my kids to go through some shit because they got they got it sure but if they paid attention to what you taught them hopefully hopefully you can set the example they'll dodge the shit hopefully or another thing that i've example. learned is that when the shit's hitting the fan all you got to do is reach around and turn it off and it stops blowing in your face you know what i mean yeah. it doesn't I, have to be i want to teach my kids one thing which is because that's like uh, so much of my career has been based off of like learning from others like i remember multiple other jobs i had before i got in real estate where i looked at that 
particular manager I had at a certain job or whatever. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to be you. <laughs> right? Like, yep. I will not be the 47-year-old dude that's like fighting for uh, area manager yeah. in this company that nobody's ever heard of. I'm like, yeah, no, man. Yeah, I'm going to do something. So what did I do? At that time, I was lucky to have a friend that was in real estate, right. my best friend. And he was like, dude, there's no limit to how awesome you can be in this business. <laughs> and I was like, fair. He's like, yeah, stop getting money from other people and just start making your own money. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. And then did the whole switch and everything worked out. Yeah, I noticed as well as, as you were answering questions, you could see when you were talking about things that you were like excited about and passionate I know, right? about. Because you like get into this, you're talking about faster and, and it's like, it's <laughs> Everybody so cool, on this man. podcast is like these two boring guys and they always interview somebody and they're pretty fun, but yeah. like now you got, you brought the energy. Yeah, you brought All the right. energy hard. All right. So thank you for joining us, Steve. Final, uh, final thoughts. No, man, you? this is awesome. I'm, we might put this out as a bonus episode. We don't know because we didn't know we were going to be here Sweet. today. Yeah. So awesome. We'll, Gift we'll with purchase. Also two new Toronto Maple Leafs fans, yeah. Steve and Derek. Yeah. They went to the game last night. Had, Dude, that had a first great period time. was killer. <laughs> they played against Vancouver yeah. and uh, beat Vancouver. That Three, two. first, I, I'm, yeah. I've seen a lot of Vancouver goals yeah. lately. In the first period? Yeah. And in then the first they, period. <laughs> in the first periods of games. <laughs> I'm just half lucky that the Uber got here so late I couldn't put on my jersey last night. And it would have been more embarrassing for you to be wearing it. It would have been Fair more enough. painful. Yeah. Uh, Derek, you got any final final thoughts? I just want to thank you guys for uh, having me on here and, and being such good friends and inspiring me over the last few years and, uh, and congratulate you on all your success. It's been really cool to watch what you guys have been doing. And the thing I like the most about it is that you're doing stuff that's not only helping other people, but actually bringing uh, value back to your business. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you're going to spend time on anything, it needs to have a return. And you guys are living proof that you can put, it, it's either time or money, and you can put time into something and bring a return back. And your YouTube channels have been incredibly impressive. So congratulations. Yeah, I mean, the, the final thing I'll wrap it up with, and I've said this to both of you recently, is like, anyone in which you are being mentored by or learning from um, or or just someone you watch on the internet, if it's Gary Vee or whatever, whoever you're into, right? It's like, yes, listen to what they say, mm -hmm. but watch what they're doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's time. really, I've shifted my mindset. Like I am now the people that I look up to and respect. I'm watching the moves they're making, not just what they're saying. Yeah. Because, and not saying that people are doing different than they're saying, but mm -hmm. but it's just like you see it happening and now I'm making my decisions on my business and my life based on the people I look up to. Yeah. Like what are they doing? What do they do at this certain point? What are they, you know, just wanted to add that in there at the end. Yeah, yeah man. All right. Well, thank you for listening or watching to another episode of the Tom Story Show. This will be fun, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.